Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, midwife and first-time mum, Caitlin, shares the birth of her daughter at home. Caitlin comes from a long family history of heavily medicalized births, but a home birth was something that always deeply resonated with her. Being considered a high-risk pregnancy meant that she would face resistance along the way, but instead of allowing outside opinions to sway her decision-making, she chose to dive deep into all the research available to make informed and educated decisions that she knew were best for her and her baby. That extensive education entwined with her intuition gave her all the tools she needed to safely and innately guide her delicious four-kilogram baby girl home. Enjoy today's episode. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to share our um, journey. It was a pretty incredible one for us. So yeah, really excited. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, so uh, I'm Caitlin. I'm um, 26. Uh, I'm actually a nurse and midwife myself, so that kind of definitely helped us decide on the journey that we were going on. Um, I live in Perth. Um, and this is our, this is our first pregnancy that stuck. So we had two miscarriages before, um, I always kind of wanted to have kids a little bit younger. So yeah, I had a, um, a spontaneous miscarriage at around five weeks. So we'd only really just found out. Um, and I had no idea what was happening with that one. And then, um, the second one, we had a missed miscarriage at 10 weeks, um, which was horrific. Um, it was a really horrible, horrible journey. That one was really, um, overwhelming. So, um, what's a missed miscarriage? Um, so we had an ultrasound at around the normal dating scan. So we were super excited and I had, um, hyperemesis of that pregnancy too. So, you know, everyone says that's a really good thing, but, um, yeah, sorry. Um, so we had an ultrasound around six weeks and they said it was measuring behind, which is normal. Um, so then, uh, well, they said around six weeks and then we went from, so we would have been 10 weeks at the next scan. Um, but unfortunately the baby had passed away, so there was no heartbeat, um, at that ultrasound. So, um, but unfortunately, because we went through a private ultrasound company, the hospital had to do their own scans. Um, 
So by the time we got to the hospital, um, the ultrasounds were closed. Um, so we had to wait. And it was a Friday afternoon. So we had to wait until Monday to have an ultrasound, which we did. And then we couldn't see anyone until the Tuesday. So it was possibly the worst week of our life. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we ended up, I chose to have surgery, um, the, um, a DNC where they go in and put you under and they go in and scrape it all out. I just knew mentally I couldn't have, couldn't have had the miscarriage at home. I think I just would have, yeah. would have just been a wreck. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, then we fell pregnant with Margot about six weeks later, which was very unplanned. <laughs> so there was no plan to try straight away. You were going to wait. No, no, we were just kind of going to put her on and yeah. maybe do some more travel. And um, we got a dog, and you know the usual. Nice. And, um, yeah, and then we fell pregnant with Margot. So um, yeah, so she she's our third pregnancy. Um, we didn't know what we were having, um, but she's named Margot. She's twelve weeks now. Um, so with that, uh, I didn't, it, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was about, oh, I think I was about four weeks, but I actually found out I was pregnant with her through, I, I had a, I hadn't missed a period cause I had really irregular periods anyway. Um, and I actually had a dream that I was pregnant. So my nan who had passed away, who I was really close with, I had a dream that she, and I'm not a very spiritual person, but, um, yeah, so she came to me in my dream that I was, um, and gave me a positive pregnancy test and Jed and I were like, ha no way there's that's impossible we'd only we'd only had sex twice since the dnc so i hadn't had a period or anything so um we were like oh no maybe it's just you know this year it's gonna happen and we just kind of laughed it off and then i actually had some leftover pregnancy tests so and my mum had the same dream um <gasps> no as well which is yeah which is really really crazy wow. so mum had the same dream and mum's a bit more spiritual than me so we kind of all laughed it off and i hadn't missed a period so i was like oh and last time the last two I was so sick with so as soon as I found out I was you know that's how I found out I was pregnant with the last two I was you know head in the toilet bowl for days so mm. um I wasn't sick I felt fabulous so I was like oh whatever I'll test and it was yeah really big positive line so Jed was actually napping on the couch so I you know woke him up I hung all the stuff on the clothesline out the back and made him go have a look and yeah it was a bit of a shock mm. so um yeah during that conception stage of your journey, was there anything you did to prepare your body and mind for pregnancy? Um, so with the second pregnancy that we saw pregnant, I kind of was reading a bit more into like, you know, spirit babies and I was kind of mm, believed it a little bit, but not too much. So kind of was just connecting a little bit more to my future life and, and things like that. And I um, was seeing a naturopath as well. Um, which I had my whole life anyway, um, but started some different, you know, I was on the usual Elevate and I was researching a little bit more into proper vitamins and stuff and realised that Elevate's not not actually yeah. the best one to take. <laughs> I think that's just everyone's just kind of told to take it. So um, went on to a more like specific prenatal um, from my naturopath and, and you looked at vitamin D stores, which were great, but, you know, if you go by Western culture, we're meant to be above 50, but, you know, the naturopath kind of likes it in the hundreds for conception and stuff like that, just um, to have your stores a bit higher. So just boosted all those kind of things. And I really got into exercise as well, um, which I think definitely helped. I'm, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I needed – and I was, you know, just doing the usual Pilates or yoga every now and then or at-home programs, never really committed to anything. So I got really into my F45. 
Um, and I lost, I lost uh, about 15 kilos, which I think definitely helped. Amazing. Yeah. And definitely helped with the miscarriages as well and having something to keep me strong. And I work, I work, um, in, um, a midwifery group practice program. So that was pretty emotionally and physically intense on my body too. So just having an outlet definitely helped and a puppy as well I would definitely recommend a puppy (laughs) um so yeah we fell pregnant with Margot the week after we got Rosie which is our little miniature schnauzer um so um I really struggled the first couple of weeks just like connecting and I was just so fearful um and obviously you have to wait to be you know around eight weeks for your first scan so Mm. it was just it was quite quite stressful um was there anything that you did during that time to sort of manage your anxieties uh exercise yep. yeah so I kept doing my f45 which I know you know you're not necessarily meant to but um I just you know dropped the weights a little bit in the cardio parts I didn't do too much holes um but yeah just doing that and, and taking Rosie for walks and and just resting and and really burying myself into work so it was pretty crazy at that time we were changing staff and um the whole first half of pregnancy we were quite was short staffed or changing teams and stuff so it was um I just buried myself into work and kept myself busy and and yeah so and then I started getting really sick around uh eight to ten weeks I started you know getting those I didn't have hyperemesis I don't think I didn't get properly diagnosed but yeah I was I was sick about 10, 15 times a day um, in between working shift work, which was really fun. Mm. And I, you know, um, really wanted to try and connect to this pregnancy as much as I could. So we did, you know, I'm not that religious, but we, you know, said some little prayers and we talked to talked to the baby every night and just put my hand on my uterus and just really connected to it. Yeah. Um, so I think that really helped as well, just trying to breathe through it and, visualize our life as well which was um yeah and then we had that first scan we went to a different place um so I think that kind of helped but yeah that first scan was really really stressful I bawled my eyes out the whole way there and and as soon as I heard the heartbeat it was it was amazing so um and then every little week every yeah it was just hard because last time you know everyone said oh being sick that means they're so healthy and then this time I was sick and it was just like, well, that could be because my body wasn't working and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I, another thing I did differently, so I, I should have said that in the beginning, is I have factor five laden. So that's a blood clotting disorder um, where you have two extra platelets. Um, I've never heard of it. Yeah, yep. So you have extra platelets floating around your body. Um, So my um, amazing mum had um, a pulmonary embolism um, maybe two years ago now. Um, and she was, we nearly lost her. So we're really lucky she's still here. So we all got tested. Um, and I, I was the only one out of the three siblings. Oh, that had no. Yeah, I know. Um, I've got a couple other things, which I will delve into as well. So knowing that it was kind of, do I go medical or do I just really start the system and, and go for a private midwife? Um, so I did a lot of research into the disorder and pregnancy. Um, and so I asked to get the genetic um, sequencing of it. So whether I was heterozygous or homozygous, so whether I had the two genes or the single gene, and luckily I only had the single gene, which kind of dropped my you know, high risk level down a little bit from what I had researched. Um, so I chose to put myself onto a low dose aspirin um, just based off what I researched and I spoke to a couple of obstetricians at work and things like that. So, um, yeah, I chose to go on a low dose aspirin, which is a low dose blood thinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually when I linked in with our midwife, we agreed to kind of stop that around 34 weeks. So, which I did. 
Um, and I also have celiac disease, which is um, an autoimmune condition. Um, I can't eat gluten, okay. um, um, which also makes me high risk too. So um, that combination is really fun and obviously put a little bit of stress. <laughs> and you kind of go with, with her being so precious, it was kind of do I completely, you know, just lay on the ground and go through the system and know that I would be on, you know, high doses of blood thinners and I would be having extra scans and blood tests. And, and that just didn't sit right with me after having the miscarriage. I just kind of felt... I don't know, I just felt like having her at home was the only way to do it um, and just completely just trusted the process, which is quite scary when, when she's an extra precious baby. Yeah. Um, so, And I just did heaps and heaps of research and, and I'd been a celiac for nine years when I had, um, when I had her, so I'm pretty well controlled and understand, understand it really well. So in terms of what the research says, I wasn't that high risk. So, yeah, I really delved into research into this pregnancy, which was one of my coping mechanisms too, to know as much as I can. I'm a bit of a research person. Mm-hmm. Um, so to know as much as I can so I can arm myself with evidence if anyone ever kind of – um, came at me with anything. Yeah. So And did you? Did you get anyone come at you? Um, oh, well, I didn't really ever go, oh, kind of from the GP. My first GP, well, you know, I went well, all excited and pregnant and she said, you know, which way are you going to go? And I said, oh, I, I think we'll go through a private midwife. But I would just, you know, at this point I was only, I literally just peed on a stick. So I was like, yeah. I think we'll go through a private midwife. That's kind of the way I wanted to go. And I kind of got that judgment. Um, and I come from a long line of um, private obstetrician family members too. So um, everyone's had um, elective sections or non-elective sections through private obstetricians. So I just kind of had this generational thing through me as well. So it was, yeah, it was a big decision. And I, I said to Jed, I always pictured myself having a home birth. And I said to Jed, which is my partner, that, um, you know, I really want to go that way. And we did a lot of um a lot of chatting about it and watch lots of videos and he kind of was like, oh, I can't imagine going into a hospital to have a baby now. So he was kind of the one that was kind of like, let's just do it, um, which, you know, a lot of partners are like petrified. So, yeah, um, yeah so we kind of um, – I met a private midwife through work who was our original – we went to a meet-up in – because I'm in Perth, is in Fremantle, they have a little um, – meetup thing um they did i think it was once a month yeah Yeah, and all the private independent midwives went there um not all of them but a big bunch did and you can kind of chat and see who you gelled with so um our original midwife um told us about that so we went there and that's actually where we met um our amazing midwife um naomi um from karmic birth so yeah so we went there um and I met Naomi there and she actually lived around the next suburb over from us and I was kind of like, oh, something just sat in us that we really loved her. Um, but obviously we were already kind of booked in with someone else. So it was a bit awkward. Um, and we were only really early at this point because most private midwives in Perth are booked out by eight weeks pregnant. So um, we booked in with as soon as we found out we were pregnant and had that confirmed through the HCG test, we went with um, another midwife. So we booked in with her. Um, and yeah, so then that's kind of where Naomi comes into the picture. Um, so then at eight weeks, I, around six weeks, I had a bit of a moment of crisis that it wasn't going to stick. And I just, you know, really delved into research and was reading about, um, there's a, a company in the UK called Tommy's, um, hub, and they do a lot of research into miscarriages and stillbirths and things like that. They're quite big on social media and they just were doing some research on progesterone in pregnancy. 
Um, and it's kind of, you know, sit on the fence. You can take it or not take it. And I just, I just, you know, went full into the crazy mode of I need to protect this baby. So mm. I asked for my progesterone to be tested. And this was that first GP that I also mentioned the private midwife to. Um, and she was absolutely horrible. Mm. So um, I asked for my progesterone to be tested and she told me she didn't believe in it. So oh, I wow. actually, um, I don't know if I can say this, I actually wrote it on my blood form that she gave me <laughs> um, to get it tested. So it's probably slightly illegal to do oh, that. No. But um <laughs> I really, you know, I'd researched into it and I went with the research to her and she just basically was, you know, made me feel like I was nothing. So I wrote it on there and got it tested and I was, I think it's meant to be over 20 or 30 and mine was two, um, which is linked with miscarriages and things like that. So yeah, I went to the next appointment with her and I said, I want to go on progesterone pessaries. Um, this is what I researched. And she was like, she begrudgingly gave me a script and then said, okay, cool. Well, you can link into the, ho- wait for the hospital to contact you now um that's it like that was that was it knowing that you know I was a bit more high risk and I'd had miscarriages and I've now was starting progesterone with blood thinners like the combination there was no care or follow-up so yeah so I kind of was flying solo there for a little while our original midwife wasn't really communicating well with us um and I ended up having a bleed at eight weeks I was at lunch with mum and I had a um went to the toilet and I was having, I had a bleed, mm. which was horrific. Mm. Um, so we went to our local hospital, King, King Edwards has an emergency center there. Um, and that's such the same hospital I work at too. So, um, uh, and that's where we had our surgery too. So it's kind of this whole big loop there. Mm. So we went and got checked out and we had Professor Hart did an ultrasound and we had all of my colleagues and stuff, you know, um, helping us out it was and everything was fine so thank god and at that point I called our midwife and said you know I've had a bleed and she said oh, unfortunately I can't care for you anymore <laughs> um, as we were on the way to hospital so that was horrible mm. um, well, she did you a favor yeah exactly so then we I contacted I was you know sitting on the fence and I contacted Naomi um which is our, our amazing, amazing, I can't even thank her enough for how amazing she is. Um, and, yeah, so she leaves the suburb over and she's like, yep, I've been waiting for you guys to text me. So, um, yeah, so then we picked up, she picked us up and I think we met around nine weeks. <laughs> um, she came over and sat on our couch and I kind of, you know, told her everything and, and yeah, so we just gelled from day one. So yeah, our first point was like two hours. We sat on the couch and we just had coffee and, and it was just like a best friend yeah. immediately. So it was just meant to be. And mm. I know obviously going into the independent midwife um, way is a bit more, you know, a bit more natural and a bit more, you know, they support home births and, and, but I was also still delving into that little medical side of things with the aspirin and the progesterone. So I was kind of this, I was going as natural as possible, but I also still had, was holding on to that medical side of things. And that was a big, a big anxiety thing for me in pregnancy. Just, I just, you know, there was a moment of crisis a couple of times where it's like, is this the right way to go? And, and I know, you know, a lot of your listeners will be like, yep, natural and this is the way I'm going. So I just, you know, hope my story can help those people that are on the fence. Um, so, and I did, I stuck to my guns and I, I kept the aspirin going and I kept the progesterone going until around 34 weeks, I think. I stopped that progesterone at 16 weeks. 
Um, but I just kept, yeah, I kept my foot in that little medical door a tiny bit, mm-hmm. but in and across the pregnancy, Naomi helped me break down a lot of those. Um, and I was seeing a psychologist as well, which I'd highly recommend, okay. um, just to help break down, you know, all of those worries and fears and, you know, am I good enough to do this? And what happens if I can't do this? And, um, Naomi really helped me navigate that whole journey, which was pretty amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's the beginning. <laughs> Can I ask what was the motivation behind choosing a home birth? Because I think being a midwife, a lot of people um, would probably assume that you would just birth in the hospital. So was there anyone you drew inspiration from? Like what were some of those deciding factors to birth at home? Um, I followed like a lot of the Instagram accounts and, and stuff like that. And, and um, that, that was a big thing. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just always pictured having a baby at home and it was just, and, and you know, through study, um, I'd only been midwife for about a year and a half. So through studying and stuff like that, it was just, I don't know, just the physiological side of birth. I just felt like working in the system, which was amazing. I have, you know, amazing colleagues and had some really incredible births, some really horrific ones too. But, um, you know, I just, it just didn't feel right birthing in a hospital from the beginning. And I think maybe because the hospital would gone through, was where we had our miscarriage too. So it just, every time we walked through those doors or sometimes when I went to work, I just wanted to have a panic attack. Like I just, Mm. just didn't feel right. And I wasn't eligible for the continuity program. I couldn't, my colleagues, I wasn't able to go into the program that I actually worked in because I was too, um, I wasn't in the catchment zone. Mm-hmm. I couldn't birth at the family birth centre, which I know a lot of your clients for sure you would be going through, um, people listening. I couldn't go through there because I was high risk because my blood disorder and my celiac. So I just, the only option to do was go through the high, through the hospital, which was fine, but I wanted that continuity as well. And in the end, that was what led us to, um, to having a private midwife is the continuity and being at home and your appointments at home and just kind of delving into the research and making Jed watch videos and stuff. It just felt so right from the beginning. As soon as we thought about it, it just sat so well in our hearts. Yeah. So I love so much how you do all the heavy research, but then you're still kind of tapping into your intuition along the way as well. Yeah, yeah. So kind of, and again, like, you know, you get that moment of crisis where you go, oh my God, is this the right thing to do? And yeah. am I going crazy? Like, you know, everyone in my family had gone through private obstetricians and, and they raved really highly about private obstetricians. But then also some of the things like, you know, my mum was told her babies were too big to birth vaginally and, you know, they were too big to breastfeed, so formula feed and stuff like that. So even talking about that with her just, mm. I don't know, just it didn't feel right to, you know, lay on my back and be told what to do, um, especially by, an, you know, by a male figure. That was just I'm a bit of a, a feminist at heart yeah. sometimes and I just can't imagine anything worse than being told what to do by by someone that doesn't own a uterus. Yes, so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Poor Jed. <laughs> So how was the rest of your pregnancy and was there anything else you delved into? Um, it was kind of, yeah, I kind of dreamt a lot through my pregnancy about mm-hmm. my little like little girl playing and, and, and so I felt quite connected to her. Um, I had an anterior placenta as well, which I know most people are, you know, quite, so that's when the placenta is sitting at the front rather than at the back. Yeah. Um, so it said, you know, you feel less movement and, and, um, I know that can increase a lot of fear in people. I was actually really thankful for it actually. Um, 
I was really grateful for having an anterior placenta because it made me slow down. It made me actually lay on the couch and, and play with her and, and lay in bed and talk to her and feel her and be more conscious of laying on my side so that I can feel her and stuff like that. Because if I, I think if I had a posterior placenta, I would have just kept being my adrenaline junkie self and just running around and burying my head in work. And, and I, I work, our, um, the work I do is I work on call and we can work 16 hour days um, back to back sometimes. So, you know, it was pretty intense. So sometimes I would just be like, I need to go home. I haven't felt her move, but I know I just need to drop my adrenaline. I need to just, you know, zone in on her. So actually really thankful for an anterior placenta. Um, so that was, yeah, work was hectic. Um, and that towards, and I'll, I think we'll get into that later, but um, I really started to struggle around 32 weeks. I just um, just really struggled connecting to work. And, and so I had to make the decision whether I left early or to keep going, um, which I ended up leaving early at 32 weeks. I went on that, I think 33 weeks, I went on maternity leave, which was the best decision ever because um, I was able to just focus on the pregnancy and we also were renovating our house so I was able to just pop around home and and chat with the baby and yeah it was pretty amazing um decision but yeah and there was a couple of times um I did have like you know I did have some reduced movement so I did went into the hospital and got checked out um once um that was about three days worth of back and forth with the hospital um and that was quite interesting because I declined to do GTTs I declined to do a lot of the testing you know the routine testing if you're going through the hospital so I didn't do a glucose tolerance test I didn't do that either but can I ask why you didn't yeah I, I you know I did a lot of research into it and you know Australia has our own set of um you know like numbers you know, uh, like your fasting numbers. And we have a different set. Well, every, every country has a different, you know, um, set of numbers that diagnoses you as a, a, a gestational diabetic mum. And I, I found that quite odd. I don't know how you can yeah. have different numbers worldwide, but, you know, have gestational diabetes here but not there. And I was kind of like, yeah. well, it's a bit, I don't know, it just didn't sit right. That It's not a streamlined thing and it just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. And they've just changed it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it just didn't sit right to do it. And my family had big babies. Margot's the smallest baby in the family. so, um, And she was 4.3 kilos. So um, I knew big babies was a thing. And, I, yeah, and there's other ways to pick up diabetes other than, you know, having three, three hours of blood. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't do that and I didn't do the GBS screening, the swab at 36 weeks. Um, and I declined extra ultra. Our midwife was amazing. We didn't really... You know, we discussed it, but it wasn't really. I didn't feel pressured to do anything. Um, I decided to do the anatomy scan just because my partner's family um, have um, a lot of genetic problems. So his oldest brother passed away from what they call a diaphragmatic hernia. Um, so it's a hole in their diaphragm. Yeah. Um, so that's and that can be linked family genetics. So um, that was a bit scary. So I decided to do the anatomy scan, which I know some people going through the natural route don't do, but that just didn't sit right not doing it. Um, and they also have um, a lot of cleft lip and palate um, deformities in their family. So I just wanted to make sure, you know, if I need to mentally prepare for that as well. Um, so yeah, we did the anatomy scan, but after that. Um, didn't do any further scans but it was funny when we linked in with the hospital when I had that reduced movement with her um, the judgment by some of my colleagues was really 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 horrific (laughs) Um, yeah doctors that I've worked with for you know across my time and and I've had yeah maybe had some heated discussions about 
things with them. But, um, yeah, it was like one of the doctors that was our main doctor acted like he'd never met me before, even though, you know, we'd done a birth together the week before. And and it was just – it was funny seeing – being from a patient point of view, um, you know, oh, well – she's looking big, but you didn't do your glucose tolerance test. You probably got diabetes, not like actually discussing why and, mm. and, oh, well, you know, you, I highly doubt you're going to want an ultrasound, but you know, we recommend it. And, you know, it's just the wording of things was really funny. Um, and they wanted me to be admitted with her, um, cause she was still really quiet, but I, it just didn't sit right with me, um, to be admitted in the hospital. And she was really quiet and I was worried and our monitoring wasn't wasn't great like it wasn't the fact that she needed to be delivered but it was kind of you know we need to watch and wait and make sure that she's okay Mm -hmm. but um it kind of the discussion around it was like we're going to admit you but it wasn't like because and and, you know this is what we're thinking and this is what we're going to do it was kind of like well this is what you're doing and I just said no (laughs) immediately a dead was kind of like sitting gobsmacked in the corner I just said no no, I'm going home. And they're like, well, you know, you need to come back and you need to do this and, you know, these are the risk. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I'm going home. Yeah. Um, a little anxious listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just I just needed to go home and drop my adrenaline levels and yeah. just put some hypnobirthing tracks on and just really chilled out. And as soon as we walked in the door, she was moving. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. You can see how so many mothers would feel pressured into doing things when – someone of authority oh. is speaking to you in that way, especially if they aren't educated on what's being said 100%. to them. 100%. You know, I, and I said when after she was born to Naomi, like, if I didn't go through this way, I would have had an elective section for a big baby, you know. Like, yeah. if, I didn't, if I wasn't the type of person I am that researched everything and, just, you know, it was pretty headstrong or what I wanted, I would have had an elective section and, you know, would have been in hospital and I'm sure we had the celestone injections and the steroids and the – you know, the high blood thinners and I would have had the path that could have gone is just so visual and so easy to see. Mm. So after that incident, I was definitely like, okay, yeah, we've definitely made the right call. And, you know, Naomi was just a text message away. I'd message her my weird, funky questions and she would, you know, (laughs) even though I am a midwife, she never made me feel stupid. I knew the answer to the questions, but you just want sometimes like, you know, what happens if my baby's breach and what happens if this and what happens if this? And she kind of never made me feel dumb, which was nice. I know myself that I knew the answers, but you just sometimes as a mom need the reassurance that you're not crazy. So, yeah, yeah, so kind of definitely was happy with the decision. And after the birth, oh my God, we could not, I can't imagine ever birthing any other way. So, Mm. um, yeah. Do you want to take us to that first sign of labor with her? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was pretty convinced I was going to go over as first time mums do. Um, you know, and I did the, I didn't actually do a hypnobirthing course. I kind of did self directed. I did the heaps of research, <laughs> did yeah. heaps of research <laughs> and um, read lots of books and, and kind of, you know, a friend gave me the tracks. And, and so I kind of, I didn't do the, I've done the caregivers version of the hypnobirthing course mm-hmm. um, of how to, you know, careful women that were doing hypnobirthing so I kind of had a lot of tools from that and I did really like it but I also didn't want to do the full course because I know you know I knew that I was going to be a loud birther and I knew that I was going to groan and grunt and I knew I would get disappointed if I didn't do that you know if I did the course and I didn't hum my baby out I I knew that I would somehow feel disappointed which is weird so I knew if I did the course that's the way I would have gone based off my research that I wanted to do a mixture of different things so um so I kind of dabbled in hypnobirthing and I dabbled in calm birthing and, and, you know, kind of um, orgasmic birthing as well. I read a lot into that, which was pretty awesome. Um, And then uh, I read Juju Birth Skills as well and I had all of that stuff ready. I had my birth comb and the ball and and, and practice like my tapping and stuff like that. So, you know, I was practicing all that from about 34 weeks um, 
when we moved back into home, I was, you know, allocating some time of the day to doing my spitting babies and sitting on the ball and putting the birthing tracks on every night and, you know, practicing, you know, my breaths and, and, and I did like, you know, tapping, rhythmical tapping and just, just kind of getting that body imprint stuff into me. So um, I was definitely expecting to go over and was starting that mental game from about 37 weeks that I was going to go over. Um, and yeah, so about at 39 and she was born at 39 and four. Um, so 39 and three, um, early, which was a bit of a shock. Um, and I do put that down to moving back into, we moved back home at 34 weeks and our house was horrible. Like we had every cupboard was empty. So I was like, you know, all fours scrubbing cupboards at 34 weeks, like really getting into it. So, um, and I did, you know, every day I did a different room. I smashed out our entire house in a week, uh, but I definitely put that down to her coming early because yeah. um, she was in a great position after that week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, at 39 and 3, I um, woke up just with some like, really, 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 really mild period cramping. I was Braxton Hicksy kind of um, really light, light, light cramping. And I you know, you kind of, you're like, oh, no, nah, no way. It's yeah. not, she's not coming. It's just you're being <laughs> stupid. Yeah, you just have bad sleep. Just have some food. And so um, and I was, and I always said to my clients, like, you know, if you do think it's labour, just keep yourself busy. If it's during the day, just, you know, potter around until if it's labour, it will tell you if it's labour. Um, so I just pottered around and Rosie had a groom um, that day. So I drove to Clarkson, um, which is like, 40 minutes from us <laughs> so I drove her all the way up to get her um little groom I went for a beach walk and um which was so beautiful and I'm so thankful I went for that beach walk so it was I can't remember what beach it was but it was really really quiet um there was no one there I was actually the only person on the beach and it was a beautiful sunny day and like soft waves and I just I messaged our midwife saying hey feeling a bit different this morning think it's early early labor just got really like cramping um and she's like okay cool <laughs> um what are you doing and I said oh, I'm just at the beach she said all right great just throw your fears in the water and just like just message me you know if you need anything I was like yep yeah, cool and I didn't tell Jed I didn't tell anyone I was kind of like I'm just gonna keep this to myself because I don't want to be that crazy person that you know <laughs> thinks I'm in labor um so yeah I went to this beautiful walk and just and that I would highly recommend anyone to do that if they think they're in early labour is go to the beach because um, the visualisation of the ocean during labour was what got me through. Like I could hear those waves, I could smell the ocean, I could, yeah, I really, really recommend it. Just kind of, you know, did that, you know, hippie thing and as the wave rolled away and kind of pictured the fears rolling <laughs> Oh, Margot's staring at me intently. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and then I picked up Rosie from her groom and drove home. And, and on that drive home, I was kind of like, oh, okay, these are actually getting stronger and, and they're definitely still there. But, yeah, it's probably just nothing. Um, so, you know, went home and just potted around and, and just um, I was quite irritable as well. Like I just couldn't sit down but I didn't want to lay down and that I didn't want to do this, I didn't want to do that. And I was getting like <laughs> almost just grumpy at myself because I coun't figure out what I wanted to do. Like I was just pottering around. I was just walking around like a lost sheep anyway. <laughs> um, so it was a bit weird. Um, and mum and dad actually came over. They both had the day off and they were they, they opened up a new shopping centre near us so they were just doing some Christmas shopping. Um, so they popped in and mum's and I was like trying to act like I wasn't in labour. And I'd lost my mucus plug as well which was very exciting. 
Um, so that's that I had that big like snotty thing on wiping and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was kind of like, okay, you need to drop your adrenaline, Caitlin, because mm-hmm. if it's labor, you're not going to labor if you keep being adrenaline junkie. So yeah, just kind of potted around and, and yeah, didn't really say much. And, and yeah, mum and dad came over for a coffee um, and I was trying to act like I wasn't in labor. Um, <laughs> but it got to the point that I needed a heat pack. I needed something else. I couldn't sit down and I was on the ball and then I was, you know, on the back of a chair. And <laughs> so yeah, couldn't hide it from them, which was our plan not to tell anyone they were in labor, but they knew. Mm. Um, and yeah, so they hung out for a little while and they went home. Um, and then I messaged Jed, um, cause he'd been out of the house from work from uh, about six in the morning. So he hadn't seen me. I was asleep when he left. So, um, and I just, you know, casually was chatting with him during the day, didn't say anything. So I messaged him and I was like, Hey, you must probably don't want to have a big day. I think I'm in labor. And he's like, haha, whatever. Like, <laughs> no way. So he came home at his normal, like four thirty. He's been out of the house since six and he got home about four thirty. and he's like, Oh, okay. How do you know? And I was like, I'm cramping. He's like, Oh, well, you know, that can fizzle out. Cause I, I talked to him through all of your stuff and yeah. prepped him a lot. And he did, um, actually in, in pregnancy, he did a there's a beers and bubs um, hypnobirthing dads course oh, cool. um, here in Perth, and it was amazing. So she was actually um, our backup midwife, and um, she yeah runs this course. It's just a bunch of dads that get together at a pub and they get food, and you know they talk about how to support your partner from a dad's point of view, following kind of hypnobirthing stuff, and that was incredible. Like you know Jed had his little cheat sheet and his little notes that he'd written out, and he read them every night, and like. He was, you know, you can see him mentally during labor from watching the video. You can see him going through things that he learned. So, yeah, so did that. Um, so when he got home, I was like, read your stuff and just chill out and just, like, cook me dinner and I'm just going to lounge on the couch and, and just it's going to fizzle out anyway. Like, it's it's nothing. Like, they're so mild. Anyway, so, yeah, I was laying on the couch and about – it was, like, 6 o'clock on the dot my waters broke. So I was, um, I was laying in my normal – I found – and anyone that's been pregnant, you know, you find that spot on the couch that is, like – the most perfect spot. As soon as you get into it, you were not yes. moving unless you have to pee for the thousandth time that day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had all the cushions in the right spots and I was so comfortable. And then I just got this really intense backache and I was like, oh, here we go. The baby's going posterior. Of course it is. Like, that's the first thing that went into my head. But it was actually – so I got – I, like, jumped off of the couch and got the ball – um, and was leaning over the ball, which is one of the spinning babies thing. It was kind of, kind of all fours on the ball and just rocking my hips, which felt amazing. Um, and that backache just got really, really, really intense. And it kind of, uh, best way I can describe it, like how I describe it, it's like a balloon on the inside trying to push my pelvis out. Like it was just, it was, it's so intense. And then I felt like this, you know, when you get a period, you kind of get that, that big, heavy discharge kind of all in one go it felt like that and I was like <laughs> Jen said he looked up from cooking dinner and I was like almost like I didn't touch the floor like I'd got up from all fours onto the toilet without getting any waters on the floor even though I felt them pop when I was on all fours he's like he's like he didn't even like he like flew <laughs> he was like there was like one leg on the ground like, this heavily pregnant woman flying to the toilet so um I felt yeah I felt that kind of like discharge of feeling and I was like oh that's so and the backache went as soon as I felt that so, yeah, I somehow managed to fly onto the toilet and my waters broke, like very Hollywood style, like the big pop and like massive gush. There was so much, so much fluid. And like being a midwife, I've seen lots of fluid. There was the most ridiculous amount of fluid. So it was nice and clear. And so we just had a really big giggle um, and, yeah, just sat on the sat on the loo and let all that fluid come out because there was honestly so much. And, you know, 
stupid being naive, I had two um, incontinence undies and a pack of maternity pads. It's all I'd bought for my postpartum. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would not advise doing that. So I went through that pack of pads in like the first 20 minutes because yeah. there was so much fluid. Um, and those incontinence pads were gone all in the first 20 minutes. So, yeah, so I sent – and Jed was having his little freak out. He's like, oh, my God, we need to call the midwife. Oh, my God, we need to set up the birth pool and we need to do this and we need to do that and blah, 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 and you haven't eaten dinner and I haven't slept and we haven't slept. And he was like running around like a crazy person. So I was like – all right, you need to go to the shops and get me some more incontinence pads and I'm just going to sit here and just chill out. So he went to the side. It was the best decision ever. I would highly recommend anyone to send their partner out of the house when labour starts. Um, so he got his chill out time and then he came back home in a very different headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that happened. I messaged the midwife, messaged the photographer and the placenta because we decided to encapsulate the placenta. Um, I messaged everyone said, hey, water's broken, super comfy and cramping we'll update you. And they're like, yep, yep, yep. Everyone's cool. And the midwife called and said, how are you going? I said, yeah, really good. Like everything's fine. And she said, cool. Just call me if you need anything. Um, she didn't sleep at all that night. No, thinking we'd call her during the night, but we didn't. So yeah, so that was at six. So we came out and we ate dinner and just kind of had a little snuggle and kind of last, last, you know, time of us three. So and Rosie had been particularly needy. She's a very needy little miniature schnauzer anyway. But um, she was particularly like had to lay on me, always licking my face, like particularly needy in the first couple of days as well. So, um, yeah. So and then, yeah, so we just potted around and we got the birth. We partially blown up the birth pool and put it in the back room. So we got that out and. I had a couple of friends write me some affirmations and my mum write me some affirmations and Jed. So we, um, and I don't know if you see, if you have any of the photos um, and stuff like that, they're just hanging. We've got a tiny, tiny unit as well, like a miniature unit. So if you think you need a big house to have a home birth, you don't. Um, so we, I just had affirmations hanging up around, around the birth space um, from friends and family. And that was really amazing. So we actually picked them out. My plan was to pick them out in labour um just I to feel what, what was the go as well like you know some of them were a bit wishy-washy and some of them were really like you know powerful and so I just mm. I knew I needed to pick them on the day and read them to myself and then hang them up as kind mm. of like a process That's such a good idea. um yeah so we did that and and um and Jed picked some too um some that he needed too so uh we picked them out and hung them up I think there was like 25 in total so we put them out we put the candles out and and got the birth pool out and we kind of just set up the space together, which was, and I know a lot of people don't get the chance to do that. But that was amazing. I really, and it kind of was like the, the nod to go ahead. Like, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's happening. So, um, and you know, got the towels out and put the snipe. I'm a bit of, I'm sure you picked up from, but I had like, you know, everything all set out in the back room. Like I had a box of snacks already, like with the popcorn and, and <laughs> everything. And then I had a box of all the birth tools, like the comb and the balls and the, the TENS machine. And that was in a separate box. And then I had a box of towels. Like I'm a very OCD person. So I had I that all it. organized and I'd already done a run through with Jed, like what I'd need. And when I say what, this is what it is. And yeah, so <laughs> I had the water bottle. Yes, it was all laid out like a crazy person. So that was already to go as we bought them out on the table yeah it was just kind of that nod to go ahead for both of us which is pretty cool and we put our birth playlist and another thing that we did when I had this second miscarriage I was in a lot of pain afterwards and I was obviously quite emotional and didn't think I would ever get to 
you know, where we are now. And, and I actually made a Spotify list called the, our one day birth playlist. Mm, that's um, beautiful. Yeah. So Dad and I both had it cause we've got a shared Spotify account and we both just added songs that felt, you know, you hear them on the radio, like the Adele's new song that came out and yeah. we're just like, it just sat right with us. So we both just added songs. And in the end there was, I think it was like nine hours of songs on there. Um, of just things that we added, you know, our wedding songs and, and things that we just added. And mum and I have a song together. We put that on the playlist. And so we just added it through our journey um, and the pregnancy and, and through the loss and stuff like that. And we had this beautiful epic playlist. So we put it on and we had a little slow dance and, and then we um, tucked ourselves up into bed. So I, at that point, was getting a bit bitey. So I um, put my hypnobirthing tracks on um with my, I had the wireless headphones I'd highly recommend. Um, so I had the wireless head, like the big, you know, over the ear ones. Um, and I had my birth, I got a birth comb as well um, through Core and Floor um, web, web page. She recommended it. So, yeah, it's like a wooden comb with like quite sharp edges. So I was using that um, and just a stress ball. Um, mm-hmm. So I just had that in bed and I was just kind of like, you know, dozing in and out. And I managed to kind of doze in and out to about 1 a.m. roughly. Um, I made Jed take lots of photos, so I just know everything from photos. I don't remember, and disclaimer, I don't remember anything from 9 p.m., nothing. I remember transition because I remember losing my banana. Really? Um, and a little bit. <laughs> I definitely came into my body at that point, so I lost it a little bit. And then I don't remember anything until being tucked up in bed at 7 p.m. Like, wow. So that's... 22 hours of no memory, oh so gosh. which is crazy. I didn't think I'd be able to meditate and, you know, hypnobirth and I thought I'd just be this really loud and grunty and, like, complaining and everything. So, yeah, it was pretty cool actually looking back. Um, so, yeah, I managed to about, yeah, 9 p.m., tucked up in bed and, and, yeah, just got into my little groove. And Jed said it was really funny, like I was, you know, listening to, the, like, you're on an ocean and ride that wave and, you know, all the beautiful – but Eddie said I was commentating. I was like, I am riding that wave and, like, <laughs> screaming at the hypnobirthing track and he's like oh. – so it was really funny. But, um, yeah, so I was doing that and then at about one it started getting pretty intense, which is kind of how I describe the whole labour. I wouldn't say it's painful, it's intense. Um, started getting a bit more like I needed something. Um, and my contractions were super irregular the whole labor. Super irregular. I never had regular contractions the whole labor. You know, like I tell clients, you know, three in 10 minutes and they should be lasting for a minute. I had maybe one every 15 to 20 minutes the whole labor, even when she was coming out. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. <laughs> yes, I never had regular contractions. Yes. So I was like, oh, this isn't labor. I'm going to be one of those people that labors for like six days. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, you're complaining. So at 1 o'clock I was like, man, these aren't irregular, but they're bloody powerful. So I was like, oh, to Jed, I don't, like, I need something extra. But, oh, my God, I don't want to put something extra on. And um, he said I was having this, like, fight with him about putting the TENS machine on, but I wanted the TENS machine on. And then he wouldn't put it on because I was telling him not to because it was too early. And so he's like, you're in this weird, like, mental battle with yourself. So anyway, he put the TENS machine on um, and I managed to go back to sleep with the TENS machine on, which was amazing. Um, and then I um, woke up at uh, about three-ish um, and was sick. Um, so I actually was really sick through labour. You know, you picture when you're planning a home birth, you Pinterest board the hell out of it and you're going to have this beautiful candle lid and fairy lights and you're going to be humming your baby. I literally vomited Margot out. <laughs> Um, so I was so sick the whole labor. I couldn't keep anything down. Um, so yeah, I had my first, I was first sick around 3am all over the bed, all over Jed, like 
everywhere, just all over the TENS machine, all over my phone, headphones, everything. So I had to woke up to it. So, yeah, so Jed plonked me in the bottom of the shower and I just had the lights off and was just in the shower crying. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was about three. And then so he, you know, cleaned up the house and and everything, cleaned up, you know, the room and and stuff like that and, and put them, you know, set up out turn the lights on and put the music on and just set out our living room space. We came out about three-ish, three-thirty-ish, and um, he just put me on – there was a little mattress on the floor. And, yeah, so he just put me on there and and just got the heat packs and just, like, gave me a bottle of water and just um, some cool flannels and just plonked me on my side and I went back to sleep until six. So – and that was that that point that I actually honed into that visualisation. I was picturing the ocean. I just kept, like – Jed said you just kept saying to yourself you're on that wave you're off that wave you're on the wave you're off that wave like a like repetitively for three hours like I was just you just pictured this wave and and that's when I could smell it I could see it and I was just and it was you know this really soft little wave that I'd seen at the beach the day before so I was just and I had no I wasn't using the comb I wasn't using the ball or anything at that point I was just just visualization which was amazing which I definitely didn't think I would be be doing and that not that wasn't something that I prepared myself either you know I I picked, you know, read about the lotus flower and stuff like that. And it was just, I kind of just didn't resonate with me. I just couldn't visualize things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and for some reason, I just, I, I'd never planned on visualizing anything. And, and yeah, so I visualized um, for those couple of hours, which was um, definitely another tool in the toolbox that I used. Yeah. And another thing that I'd set myself up with, my mum's really into aromatherapy. So I kind of grew up a lot with, you know, smells and you're feeling this emotion put this on and stuff like that so I had this big box of all the different smells that I love you know like your orange your lemon um, just really plain ones um clary sage um your lavenders all of those beautiful beautiful and some really earthy um frankincense and stuff like that just knowing that on the day I will decide what I wanted so Jed was like running them all under my nose and I was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I ended up having um orange and lemon in the diffuser which was amazing so that was going um so he'd put that on and yeah so we kind of potted on until about six ish um and Jed said I just woke up and I just sat up and just screamed at him. he was asleep on the couch next to me and he just screamed at me and said you need to call Naomi <laughs> And he's like, okay, okay, okay. But he was like, you know, half awake. And he's like, how do I call her? <laughs> so he had a little moment of crisis then. So, yeah, he called Naomi um, and she, you know, spoke to me on the phone and I had a little bit of a, a whinge that it was intense. Apparently, I don't remember any of this, so which is good. Um, so, and, yeah, so she came over um, and we messaged the photographer and said, hey, like this, we've called Naomi if you want to make your way. But she lived, like, 35 minutes away. So she had a big drive to make. Um, and we messaged the placenta people saying, you know, Caitlin's definitely in labour and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, everyone came. Naomi got here about 7.30-ish, I think, um, and I was just on the mattress on the floor. Uh, and the position that I found comfortable, which probably wasn't the best for my labour, um, was kind of like uh, – I can't think of the position that you would call it. Child's pose? Child's – that's the one. Oh, my gosh, my brain. Yes. So child's pose. Yeah, I was in child's pose and my bum was like quite in the air and my head was lower, which I know obviously didn't – wasn't great for labour in terms of gravity, but that is what felt comfortable. Like I was rocking my hips in that position and I was sticking my legs out and – sticking arms out and you know half on my side and I was moving a lot but I know I wasn't using gravity which wasn't the best but it's obviously what my body needed it was a long slow labor um and obviously she was really chunky so that's obviously what my body and pelvis needed um Mm. to get her through 
And, and, and just to backtrack in, in the end stage of pregnancy, I had a really sore right pelvis. Like my right pelvis was excruciating. I almost felt like there was a bubble inside of it, inside of my hip joint. Um, so I, um, Naomi recommended, I saw a Cairo. So I saw, um, a lovely, uh, Dr. Kim at Oasis, um, chiropractic and she gave me his exercises and stuff and through labor. That was where my labor was, was in that right pelvis. Um, so, you know, I was the, all the photos I'm lunging. I've like got my legs flicked out in these weird positions and I did a lot of work on that through labor is to navigate. So, and her head was asynclitic. So that's when their head's a little bit crooked. Um, and you could see that when she came out, she had a bit of swelling on that side as well. So, Obviously, my body just knew, like, we need to jut this side of her pelvis out a bit more to get the baby through. So um, just a little bit of a, a fun thing there. So definitely listening to my body and, and moving around. And that child's pose was the most comfortable. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, I probably would have had it so much quicker if, if the TENS machine worked and if I didn't lay half my labour down, like, you know, in child's pose. But obviously, it's what my body needed. So, um, so when Naomi got there, I was kind of um, – up near the kitchen with Jed and we were just rocking and swaying together and and he was doing that light touch massage and and you know the affirmations which was a really good for partners was a really good thing he would just kind of like look at an affirmation and say it he didn't have to think on on his seat which was really helpful um so he was using those affirmations and it was just really amazing and and Rosie was licking my feet during labor and you know it had my whole family there so um Naomi came and, and I jumped in the pool which was oh my gosh I can't even explain that feeling like it was incredible so yeah got in the pool and we moved around a lot and I started having that purple line um it wasn't fully extended but yeah I got that purple line kind of halfway up um and for those people that don't know it's a, a line that comes right up through um um, your bum crack and, it, and it's literally purple. So, um, and that's, you know, from the increased pressure and, and stretching in your pelvis and stuff. So I had that. Um, so I knew things were happening and I had a big, I had my first moment of crisis then I just sobbed and I don't know if I, if the birth video will be shared um, or not. I haven't, haven't really decided and haven't hadn't had a chat to Amber about it but um in the birth video you, you see like I start sobbing <laughs> um I have a proper proper sob that oh my god like and it was just that this is happening and I just and Jed said I kept saying like this is real and oh my god it's actually happening and, and that was the validation I just kept sobbing like I'm doing this and this is amazing and and um I can't believe I'm doing this so um it was kind of, yeah, that validation I needed, which was amazing. Um, so, yeah, I had a good sob and a good cry. Um, and then it started, I think it started ramping, ramping up from what I can see in the video, <laughs> um, is that I started getting a bit more vocal, which I knew I would be. And I talked to Jed that I would be I would be vocal. I knew I would. I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a chatter. Um, so I just, I knew that I would, and I knew, and I knew that, and I was okay with that. You know, I didn't want to, births not meant to be quiet. And some of my favorite births are women that literally have wrought out their children or sworn out their children. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's, that's how it's meant to, you know, it's meant to be quiet. It's meant to be loud. It's meant to be whatever you're meant to do. Yeah. So, um, I was okay with that fact. And I think that helped allow me just to do whatever I needed to do so um you know there was a lot of I can't do this and I you know I don't want to do this anymore and and there was a lot of that transition talk where you're just like "Mm -mm, I'm not doing this and uh, (laughs) Naomi in the video she's like oh well you're doing it (laughs) so um she was the perfect just exactly what we needed as as a as a person through pregnancy and in labor she was amazing so she just said the right stuff and then she got me through those tricky points so um yeah so then I had a good little snooze in the 
bath and, and we got out of the bath just because my contractions were really spacing out, which is obviously what my body needed to do. And I did, I did a self-examination and, you know, being the midwife I am. Um, and, and there was a bit of cervix there, which is it's meant to be there. And um, so, yeah, we made a decision to get out of the bath um, and we sat on the toilet for about one, one surge and I was like, mm, this isn't happening, no way. So we got back on the floor. Um, and just, you know, moved through the floor and, and did a lot of, I did a lot of horse's breath through labor as well, which is something that I'd practiced a lot of, of different type of breathing and humming and, and horse's breath, just so it was ingrained in me so that when labor came, I would just instinctively do what works. So, mm-hmm. um, and Jed had practiced those with me um, and he felt completely crazy practicing with me. But during labor, he was like, I'm so thankful that I kind of knew the sounds to make and, and he would do it and I would copy him. He didn't think I would, but, you know, in labour land, you kind of are in your own zone and you don't, you don't have that conscious brain. So yeah. I was copying his breathing, which was helpful. So, yeah, so did lots of horse breath um, and on the floor in the video, there's lots and lots and lots of horse breath and, and lots of shouting and me screaming that I can't do it and definitely looking back, that was transition. That was... That was me having my moment of crisis and I really, I really, and I remember that. I remember distinctively the intensity at that point. It was so intense. It was, everything was heavy. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was vomiting. I was, you know, I hadn't eaten since 6 p.m. Like, and I hadn't, you know, and I'd been sick. I couldn't keep water down. I couldn't keep anything down. So I was just physically exhausted. And I made some coconut water ice chips, which got me through a little bit longer. Um, and we just rotated between. And, you know, I was kind of like in labor, I'm going to eat healthy snacks, and which I had kind of towards the end of pregnancy, you know, in pregnancy anyway. Um, I'm just going to eat healthy snacks and I'm just going to be really healthy. All land, they just, um, so I was, you know, having the water and the coconut water and and rotating between those two. And, and, and it, they just, they I just couldn't do them anymore. So I ended up just drinking Sprites <laughs> through labor. Um, but because I couldn't eat anything and I wasn't yeah. having any nutrition, I actually needed that sugar to get me through. Mm. Um, so I had, I think I had one or two through labor of just Sprites and they were so good for the nausea too, which is really unhealthy. But anyway, they got me through and it I worked. really, yeah, so that, that helped. Um, so yeah, during my moment of crisis, I kind of had a bit of a meltdown. I know if I was in hospital, I most probably would have, if I didn't have the right care provider, I know they would have offered me an epidural at that point if I was in a hospital, you know, like, cause it was, it was loud. It was, it was noisy. It was grunty. It was, it was, it was intense. So um, Naomi kind of just had that chat with me and said, you know, you've got to, this is what you want and um, you need to get out. Like you need to get back into what you're doing and like, come on, almost like get over it, but I'm supporting you. <laughs> um, so she kind of, and she said, right, we need to, we need to change. So she put me, we've got a toilet and uh, we've got two bathrooms and we've got another one and the toilet's separate. There's no lights, there's no windows in that. Well, there's a light, but um, you know, it's quite dark in there because we were laboring during the day as well, which is not what you picture when you're planning a home birth. You picture this mm. candlelit night birth and it's all going to be fairy lit and beautiful. It was like broad daylight and 30 degrees. It was hot. It was sunny <laughs> and we have a very light, like we've got tiles and white walls and white ceilings and, you know, light wood. And so it was very, it's a very light reflective house, which is what I like, mm. but not for labor. So it was quite bright. And it, I think when I came into transition, I came into my body and I just, all of that just really messed with me. So um, she's kind of like, we need a reset. So she put me in the toilet, turned the lights off, um, kept that side of the house dark. She's like, do you have a sleeping mask? So I was like, yeah, I've got a sleeping mask. It's in the box, you know, as it would be. Um, so it was in my in my birth box. So she 
got my mask, um, got my wireless headphones, which had died during labor, so we charged them. So she got my um, wireless headphones and put them on, and I couldn't do our birth playlist anymore. It was driving me nuts. The songs, the words were driving me nuts. I was just getting really antsy. So she's like, do you have a meditation playlist? I was like, yeah, I've got one. Don't really listen to it, but we'll put it on. And it was per- it was just kind of like, just uh, I think it's called meditation on Spotify. Just plonk that on. And it was just what I needed. It was just the bells and the hums and the, it was just perfect. And I just, <laughs> Jed said it just looked like a crazy person. I was just, and she just said, right, everyone leave her alone. She's going to do her own thing. So I was just sitting on the toilet and he said, he like popped around the corner and uh, he was like, you were swaying and like humming to yourself and like saying affirmations. He's like, you were honestly like someone that was high. Like you were just. Well, you were. <laughs> yeah, I was on, on a um, oxytocin high. And he said, you were just like. But you weren't just like lightly swaying. You were like on a boat, like rocking <laughs> against the walls. Like you were just, he's like, I couldn't watch because I was like trying not to giggle and like <laughs> disturb you. So um, everyone just came and sat out on our, because like I said, we were in a really small house. So everyone just came and sat out on the couch and had a cup of coffee and, and some nibbles. And mm. so at that point, yeah, I don't know how long I was there for, but that was exactly what I needed, just sitting on the toilet and, and I could feel her dropping into my pelvis and it was really intense. And I actually... I'm sure we shouldn't say this from my mum, but um, I talked about before about reading into orgasmic birth and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to give that a go and and did some clitoral stimulation, which was, you know, very fabulous during labour. Interesting. Um, Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd be that person. And I've had one client who had an orgasmic birth and she was telling me about it afterwards. And I was like, oh, that's weird, but also really cool. And it just popped into my head at that point. I remember it popping into my head and I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. I'm going to give it a go. And I did. And that got me in my zone, like a very good zone at that point. But yeah, so I managed to um, do that and get through that. And that was fabulous. Um, And that got me back. And I, after that, I remember that. And I remember sitting on the toilet and I remember the meditation music. And then after that, that's when I black out again and kind of go back into my labor land so amazing yeah so that obviously worked I would highly recommend that if anyone gets a bit sticky mm-hmm. um in labor um so yeah Jed and I and then Jed said like we did a bit of like kissing and touching and and I just I called for him and like we just you know like teenagers like had a good passion had a good like you know not feel up of each other but just really like loving touch and, mm-hmm. and so obviously um, he said I initiated it and I just really wanted to be held in like a loving way rather than in a labor way. Um, so yeah, and that all happened afterwards. So I don't really remember any of that. So, and after that it was on, like it was, it was, and I, but I could feel her coming into my pelvis, but she wasn't staying, if that makes sense. I, I just felt like something wasn't right. And I said to Naomi, something's not right. Um, I think her head's not straight or, or something's not happening. Um, so she said, you know, we had three options. Um, and again, I don't remember these options, but I know she would have given them to me. And I remember, and, you know, Jed said, I discussed each option with her, which shows how amazing she was um, in labor to give me options rather than be like, all right, this is what we're doing. Like, she just gave me options throughout and I felt so safe with her. Um, and so the options were like, we can ignore it and just keep going. Or we can, I can do an examination for you if you want. I don't really want to do one, but if you want one, I can do one. Um, and three is we can, um, and she, oh yeah. And then based on that, she said, we can, if I feel cervix there, there's two options. I can, if there's a little bit, I can push it over her head or we can leave it and just, you know, keep going. I said, yep, yeah, do whatever you want. Like do, 
do that. Let's do that. And if there's cervix there, I want you to get rid of it. Like I just, that's holding her back. I can feel it. She's communicating. She's not coming. There's something there that's stopping her mm-hmm. and she's ready. Like she's there ready to come. Mm-hmm. I could feel that she, yeah, they were so intense and so long that I could feel that she was ready to come. My pelvis, I could feel everything was open, ready. And something was just stopping her coming or them coming. Um, so she did the, and, um, I don't remember it, but Jed said it was. It seemed very intense. Um, so she she did do an examination, which I know a lot of people planning home birth. So that's a big no no. And 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 that was for me. I didn't want any examinations. I was doing my own during labour, and that's just an intuitive thing that I was doing. Um, and it felt nice to know. And I actually made Jed do an examination during labour as well, um, early labour. And I took and um, he said I was. I don't remember, but I was talking him through like that's her head, that's her cervix while I was in the bar. So yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, so at that point, Naomi gave me those options and I obviously picked, um, to have an examination. Um, and she said, you know, if it's, if it's too much, just tell me to stop. And, you know, I felt very trusting in her to do that. So yeah, so we did the examination and there was a tiny, tiny bit of cervix. Um, so she pushed it away, um, over her head. So there was like a tiny little bit at the top. Um, and she was below it, with a contraction, but then it was just bringing her back up. Um, and so I asked her to get rid of it. Um, if she could push over her head, just like literally just touch it. And she said it just like pinged over her head. So it's not like she physically jammed it over her head. She just lightly touched it. It just needed that little bit of extra touch. And again, that's something that I asked for. I didn't feel pressured to do that at all. And I don't think Naomi actually really wanted to do it anyway. Uh, That's something that I had actually asked for. So after that, her head was in my pelvis, like it was down and I could feel it. So we were, uh, at that point I was pushing, 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 like pushing her out. Um, And so we were standing and rocking and then, um, and disclaimer I don't like I'm <laughs> I said to you on our first attempt of these um calls I, I I don't wear clothes at home I got dressed for our Skype call but I didn't realize it was just over the phone so um and I was actually wearing clothes in late like, I was wearing a little um the little bralette thing and I don't like our appointments you know with Naomi I would I would begrudgingly put clothes on but um so, and I just Jed said I just yelled why am I wearing clothes and everyone's just had a giggle so I stripped off and I just felt like I was groaning and grunting and it was exactly what I pictured like that really primal roaring and um breathing and um at this point our backup midwife wasn't there yet either by the way I know as she she was coming but yeah just um it was just the type kind of happened quite quickly from that point so um so we got back in the bath um, and she was, I don't know how, how long I was in the bath for, but she was born like pretty quickly after we got in the bath. So, um, and knowing that she was on the chunkier side from feeling her palpating during pregnancy and, and I knew she was going to be on the chunkier side and I was okay with that big babies are born sign. And just before I went on mat leave, I had a four point seven kilo baby vaginally which was amazing so well I didn't have her sorry I helped it helped a beautiful mum go through labor with her mm-hmm. um so I knew I know what happened so I was kind of size didn't bother me at all which I know so many people get caught up on so I knew that she was going to be on the chunkier side we knew um and we totally sat at peace with that so yeah so I kind of um we knew as her head came as her head came down and I said to Jed um she's got a good size noggin on her like I can feel she is feeling the whole space like my body is dilating 
fully open to get her out. Like this is intense. So I really wanted to be conscious of protecting my perineum as well. So antenatally had had that thought about what to do when we talked about it and everything. So obviously being in the water was amazing. And so, yeah, I just moved, moved through and I did lots of like intuitively lunging in the bath and squatting and all fours and kneeling. And so I just intuitively moved her head and body through that kind of final part of the birth canal. Mm. So then she started crowning and she was crowning forever. Um, Cause we did that consciously and I did consciously do that you know I know we talk about primal birthing and stuff like that but and I just was really conscious of being really slow and really present for that moment and just feeling and, and letting everything stretch and and just not you know when I didn't have a surge is not pushing even though that's all you really want to do if anyone's had that <laughs> when your head gets that point so um we just really breathe and horse breath through that moment and, and let her just come really 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 slowly and she was she was on my parenting for a very very long time so um but not like worryingly long it was yeah. it was you know progressing perfect so yeah and then she was born and and you know there's lots of I didn't realize my photos would go everywhere on social media but um yeah so she was she came out into the water and I was I think I was on all fours and and she was quite like tight I could feel which is really cool I remember feeling her um restitute so that's when they do the turn when their head comes out Mm -hmm. Um, and Jed watched a lot of her coming out as well, which was really cool. And we talked about him possibly birth, um, you know, birthing her with me or, um, if he wanted to be in the water and we talked a lot about that, but he, he was on the outside. I needed him on the outside during labor and he could tell that. And he watched her be born, which was really cool. Um, and you know, a lot of the guys had that saying when he talks about it with friends and they go, you know, oh, it's like your favorite pub burning down and all that kind of stuff. And Jed's like, I didn't see it like afterwards, yeah. you know, in the couple of days afterwards, um, a couple of friends had, you know, be like, oh, that's, you know, oh, how was that? And you're never going to look the same. He's like, it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> He's awesome. like, I got to watch my child be born. Like, it was so <laughs> cool. So, and he said, you don't see it that way. Like, it was so amazing watching her little head come out. And then she was looking at him through the water with, with her head out before her body was out, which was really cute. Yeah. So, yeah, so I could feel her. She wasn't rotating. She was kind of like she was dancing, like she was trying to. So what they need to do is their head comes out and then they need to turn to get their shoulders out. Um, and I remember, I remember saying like, she's not, she's not turning. She's not turning. She's not turning. And everyone's like, yep, that's okay. That's okay. So, um, anyway, she came out, <laughs> she managed to get herself she out. Um, out, she figured it out. So, um, yeah, so she came out and she delivered like through my knees, um, you know, cause I was kneeling and, and she came up and onto my chest and, um, eyes open and and she was just so calm so um <laughs> and I I don't like I said I don't know if the video will go out but um she was just so calm she just stared at me and I just absolutely bawled my eyes as most mums would do when they hold their baby I just I, I just couldn't believe it was real and I just sobbed. Um, so, um, yeah, so then it took us about five minutes to check what gender she was and it was a girl and I was so convinced I was having a boy. Um, so it was just so beautiful and, um, yeah, so we had her and and I had actually had a – and, again, like I said, I wasn't, I'm not that spiritual, but I actually had a dream about her name at around 30 weeks. Oh. I was like, oh, that's weird because I'm definitely having a boy. <laughs> um, but we'll just put it on the list and it was Margot. Um and so, yeah, I had a dream about the name about, yeah, 30, 32 weeks. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Never heard of it. Obviously, the actor, we know actress, I know her name. But 
Um, I was like, never heard of it, never met anyone with it. We're going to have that kid with the weird name. Like, all right, cool. We'll put it on, put it on the really long list that I hate all the other names on. Um, and Jed hated it. And so, yeah, we just had it on the list and, and I kind of had mentioned it a couple of times to family and they're like, oh, that's really nice. Like, it's a really strong girl's name. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, Jed hates it. And I don't know, it's a bit weird. But, um, and my nan, my nan, who I had the dream about pregnancy, um, she, her name was Margaret. So it kind of was, ties on and and my mum loves mum loves pearls so um kind of all ties everyone together and my other um grandma is named margaret too so kind of all it's kind of had a real spiritual meaning to the name and and um yeah so had the name kind of there so it was either going to be margot lucy or hazel um which was another name that came in after she was born um so yeah we kind of but we didn't name her i think we named her like four days later because we couldn't decide um and so, yeah, she was born and we just floated in the water and it got to about an hour um, and there was, like, no signs of my placenta coming. And, and from my research, I'd read that anterior placentas can take a little bit longer to come, so I wasn't worried um, at all. Um, but there was, like, no no cramping, no, like, separation, no length of the cord. There was, like, no sign. Usually there's a couple of signs and then it takes a little while after that. Yeah. Um, so we were getting – I was getting – we were getting all a little bit like, mm, that's weird, like – maybe we should think about getting out of the pool or do something different. And I was breastfeeding and, you know, I was doing all of the, all of the natural stuff. And I mean, Margot just latched on for dear life. So that wasn't an issue, so, um, which was amazing. So yeah, she was feeding like a dream and there was like, again, no cramping, nothing. So um, we were all a bit like, Oh, this is weird. Um, So Naomi offered me, she had, she always carries in a bag, like just a natural um, homeopathic tincture, like placenta releasing tincture. And I was like, oh, don't know if I want to be putting some, you know, bunch of herbs that I don't know in my, in my body. But I was like, okay, we'll give it a go. And we checked there was no gluten in it because obviously we don't need that after having a baby. So um, so we had that and I um, just had a little shot of that. And, um, yeah, about five minutes later the placenta came. So I um, stood up and pushed it out into a bowl um, and it filled a whole baking bowl. Like it was a ginormous placenta. Um, which makes sense. So she was four, three, four, five grams when she was born. So it was a beautiful, deliciously chunky placenta. Um, and we kept her attached for about uh, maybe another 20 minutes or so. Um, and I, I'd read a lot into lotus birthing and I kind of liked the idea, but then I also didn't like the idea of lugging her around with a placenta. So I decided I wanted to do the lotus birth and then kind of like a partial one and then separate them after after the fact, you know, after they're both born. Um, and I have so much as a midwife and colleagues would know that I am such a placenta nut. Like I love placentas. So, um, you know, I, I love them so much. So we, we studied it together after we were born and I showed Jed photos of placentas and cords and, and everything. So, yeah. Um, and another thing, I'm a negative blood group. So the people that don't know, um, you can be positive or negative in your blood group. Um, and I was negative. So rhesus factor negative. Um, so I chose to have anti-D in pregnancy. Um, and I know a lot of people going natural decide not to. And again, that was my another little medical fear, um, that came into my pregnancy. So I chose to have, um, anti-D and that came off the background of having losses and, and knowing that Jed was a positive blood group too. Um, I decided to have anti-D. Um, I've never heard of that. What is that? 
Uh, so it's a blood product that they give you, and it's more okay. of a yeah, it's more of a prophylactic thing. So um, if there is a, a desensitizing event, so if there's an event that the baby's blood could cross back into you, um, which is very low chances, but if it does happen, it increases the risks of for future pregnancies, for miscarriages and stillbirths, because mm-hmm. your body starts to recognise the positive blood group as almost like an infection, so it starts to fight off future babies if there is an event and it was very low risk for an event but I just I just had in my head I just need to protect this baby and any future children so I decided to have NTD in pregnancy um and I decided to after the birth do the blood test there's a blood test called a Kleihauer um so and that looks if the baby's blood's mixed with yours um which obviously puts you at high risk for miscarriages and stillbirths next time Mm -hmm. um so I decided to do I wanted to do that after birth and and they took some blood from her placenta um to see what her blood group was as well to see whether i would need anti-d again after birth um because obviously there is that risk that she is positive and i'm negative that my body will recognize future positive children as a risk um so yeah they took some blood like from from what was left in the placenta and she was positive so um I had the injection the next morning after she was born so um so yeah they did that with the placenta and then that was sent away to get encapsulated and then um yeah and then so I got out of the pool and they checked to see if I needed any I asked to be checked to see obviously she was quite chunky um and um, so I asked to see whether there was any tearing and there wasn't. So I actually had an intact perineum. Wow, good um, job. Yeah, which was amazing. So I just had, I had two grazes. I had a little um, vaginal graze and I had a little periclitoral graze. So it's a graze up in your clitoris, mm-hmm. which is, you know, totally expected with a chunky baby. Um, so And what did you do to help we, the healing process? Yeah, I just, yeah, I just used natural honey um, on a pad um, and that kind of gelled it all together together so um so yeah we did that and we did the blood test and did you know the postpartum like blood pressure check and jed was doing skin to skin at this point and i didn't want any measurements and stuff done until jed had at least an hour of skin to skin while i was you know being checked and stuff like that because i had you know an hour and a half of skin to skin and she'd fed and she was asleep so um as i was getting out of the pool i said you know it's jed's turn so jed had her skin to skin on the couch and, and then we did her measurements and we were tucked up in bed by seven. So we had her at four and we we're in bed at seven and we we're all just skin to skin. And we slept. I know co-sleeping is kind of one of those things, but we wanted to co-sleep in the first week anyway, just for bonding and stuff. So we all just slept nudie and, and she just was on our chest and we just took turns of being awake with her, you know, just taking her in with the salt lamp on and just skin to skin. Yeah. And I didn't shower for the first, it sounds gross. I didn't shower for the first two days either just so her vernix was, you know, embedded into my skin and it just helped with the feeding and so she knew, you know, who I was and, and we kept that kept that extra connection. And it's good for her gut health and stuff to ingest as much, you know, natural body as she can. So mm. I um I didn't really shower. I, you know, washed below and stuff, but I didn't shower the top half of me for two days just so. Amazing. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, she fed really well and, and everything was amazing. So, and we had a big discussion. We didn't plan on telling anyone she was born, but obviously mum and dad were over the day before, so they knew. And we do family dinner every Tuesday with my family and we didn't rock up um, <laughs> and we're always there. So everyone kind of knew that what was happening. So um, so we called called them and FaceTimed them with her. But, yeah, we didn't tell anyone else for the rest of the week actually. 
Um, and we just had us and the first two weeks we had visitors, but they're only, <laughs> only for, um, an hour. Um, and then we basically kicked them out and then, um, you know, they went, we said no one can hold her until their second visit. So no one held her either for the first two weeks. It was just really slow and really perfect. Mm-hmm. And we did go for a couple of walks together and just enjoyed that time. Cause Jed only had two weeks off. So, um, yeah, yeah, and feeding and, yeah, it was beautiful. It was such an awesome, awesome experience. So reflecting on your entire journey, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Uh, I think trust your gut and, and don't be afraid to look into things. Um, you know, if something doesn't sit right with you or if maybe if you've got a condition or if you've got something that you want to know more about, look into it. Look into it yourself and, and trust your gut and, you know, and we didn't tell anyone we were having a home birth either because I just didn't want the – I told my parents because um, I have quite a close relationship with mum and we can kind of have that conversation, but I just didn't want people's opinions and yeah. I didn't care what people thought in the end. And, and I know, you know, we all had that, you know, surface thing where we kind of do care, but I, I just didn't need people's opinions. And I know planning a natural birth or planning a birth that goes against the grain is, is hard work. Like it's not, it's not just, I'm going to have a natural birth and it just happens that you've got to work for it and you've got to think about it and you've got to mentally prepare for it. And you've got to, you know, prepare your soul and prepare your body and prepare your space and, you know, your partner, even though we shouldn't have to prepare partners, but you do have to prepare your support person because yeah. it's going to be you and them riding the waves together and, and it's really, really important. But, yeah, I think just trust your gut and trust what feels comfortable. You know, I'm up technically on paper a really high-risk pregnancy. I, I have a higher BMI and I got two genetic conditions and I kind of, I had a natural home birth of a 4.3 kilo baby. Mm. So yeah, I think just trust your gut and then trust, trust what feels right because in the end, you know, what's right for your family. Yeah. So yeah. Great advice. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for coming on today and sharing your beautiful journey, but also your extensive research and knowledge with us. (laughs) Thank you. That brings us to the end of today's episode. I love Caitlin's journey, not only because she is a total powerhouse and force to be reckoned with, but because despite being classified as a high-risk pregnancy, she didn't just accept that label and in turn accept a birth outcome that had high potential for all the interventions. She really took the reins and armed herself with as much information as she could, giving her the confidence she needed to fight for the birth she knew was possible. That to me is just so inspiring and I hope it is for you also. This is definitely not me saying to ignore doctor's advice and I can fully appreciate that taking on such a responsibility once you are labelled high risk can be extremely daunting, especially if you're receiving pushback at every turn. I think we can all agree though, throughout the seasons I have shared, there have been multiple times a diagnosis or label which would have resulted in interventions has been proven by the mother's own search for answers to be not such an issue and a perfectly safe physiological birth has unfolded. The take home message for me today is that you are the captain of this ship, you have the final say always and you have the right to ask questions or seek out information for yourself. I hope you've enjoyed today's show, let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.